Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How's the weekend, Ryan Huang? All right, it's pretty good. And I'm also looking forward to Hong Kong markets reopening today after heavy rainstorms just weighed on everything in Hong Kong. Do you see the pictures? Roads are flooded and cars are just being swept away. Absolutely shocking, I have to yeah. say. School's closed, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, it's good news over in Hong Kong for the reopening. It is F1 week here in Singapore, which means conferences, concerts, and influx of international visitors, as well as the 2023. Grand Prix, Singapore Grand Prix kicks off this weekend. Now last year more than 300,000 spectators turned out for the night race. That's a record number that took place against the backdrop of revenge tourism. This year's F1 not expected to attract quite so many people, but it's still likely to be a fantastic driver no pun intended. For, <laughs> I had to put that in. For companies there in Singapore's hospitality and tourism sector. In fact, our colleague Ben Paul uh, over the Business Times has a great article about this in this morning's edition of our sister publication, The Business Times. So, Ryan, just how much are hotel rooms just by the F1 circuit going for this weekend? Yeah, uh, I guess the usual prices around the sound of the year when we get F1 is up. And this is where we've got prices like $1,405 a night at Fairmont. If you want a bit more luxury or a bit more pricey, then you can go for Pan Pacific at $1,580 per night. And if you want to splurge even more, then you can head out to the Premier Suite at the Ritz-Carlton for just only $4,800 per night. So which one do you fancy, Michelle? <laughs> Give me the Ritz. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go if for it. It's only once out. a year. <laughs> yeah, so 1004 for a, a room that's the size of about 400 square feet. Uh, up all the way up to 5,000. I suppose it's the view. You get the tracks. You don't need to buy a ticket almost. You can just see the cars go around you. In that's the privacy the, of your suite, yeah. Yeah, all alone in whatever you're nowhere, with whatever food you have. So I guess that's the perks. <laughs> now listen, 9 million people visited Singapore during the first 8 months of this year. That is 40% more people that have visited here so far this year than in all of 2022. Definitely a sign of recovery. Now which companies uh, does Ben Paul think could be beneficiaries of this recovery in tourism? Yeah, it's a very strange thing. When you think about the F1, lots of people heading to the Santec area, the Medina Walk area. But interestingly, you get complaints from those guys saying, hey, people are not shopping. They're just walking through the shops and going to the F1 straight up. And they typically complain they don't get as much business as they hope. And that could be a repeat again, but it will be good news for the hospitality guys who have to um, find ways to accommodate the flood of people coming to watch the F1 race, not just a race, but also all the acts who will be performing. So it's a slew of concerts. We've got Robbie Williams, Boy George, Culture Club, mm. and lots of names I don't recognize anymore. <laughs> It is, I say, I guess something for everyone when you have such a wide range of um, acts. But going back to some of the beneficiaries, um, when you think about hotels and hospitality, one of the names that could benefit, according to Ben Paul, is CDL Hospitality Trust, which actually in this uh, recent commentary cited the F1 race as a potential revenue driver because mm. of the potential pickup in business and also as borders reopen, people are traveling here for various reasons. F1 is one of those reasons. 
So, hospitality trusts have been outperforming. Far East Hospitality Trust, which has nine hotels in its portfolio, has a yield of more than 6%. Its stock is trading at a discount of nearly 30% to its NAV and asset value. And Fraser's Hospitality Trust has a total return of nearly 8%. Ben Paul also points to a couple of laggards in the hospitality REIT space, Capital and Ascot Trust. And we'll talk more about that at 10.05 when we look at SREITs for you. Ryan, what do you think of Paul's picks? It is quite a compelling choice of, um, I guess, a busker of REITs. Typically, you could see some short-term sentiment going into all things hospitality when you've got a big event. Um, But of course, the wider story is, or wider question is, how long the momentum can last. And if you look at some of the numbers, just zooming in on CDL, Hospitality Trust, they have... I guess the potential to continue riding on this momentum because um, besides the events, um, they've also got the revamp or the renovation of some of their uh, areas like the Grand Copton Waterfront. So when that is back online again, it will mean another revenue driver for it. And if you look at uh, what's also playing out in terms of the stock price, um, they have been a bit of a laggard as well versus the rest of the industry. So yep. if you're looking for some value, then that could be something to look out for. So if you look at some of its numbers, if reported, they had a 20.9% rise in revenue. Uh, DPS for the six-month period until um, June was um, up 23%. So it is still growing, but not as spectacular as perhaps on the other REITs. So something to consider if you're REIT shopping. Yeah, the Laggards, Capital and Ascot Trust and CDL Hospitality Trust. So Ben Paul zooms in on Hospitality Trust, but there's certainly other ways to play a resurgence in tourism if you believe that this wave is set to continue. So who else might you want to add to the F1 watch list? Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, it's um, like the picks and shovels game, right? Who are the guys who have to supply all the ancillary stuff? And yeah. I would say the obvious ones would be air travel. People have to travel in. Uh, so that could be that's could be um, one interesting area to look at. Food as well. Typically, when you're a tourist, you will go to some of the seafood restaurants. So Jumbo comes to mind. So mm. that's something to look at. Telcos, also an interesting play as they could get more roaming revenue. Not just people coming in, but also people going out. So typically, one of the areas that could get a bounce when you get more travel. Um, credit cards as well, I suppose. More yeah. people shopping and spending will be a boom for banks. So a lot of different ways, maybe not as large an extent as hospitality, but still potential drivers. A lot of great creative ideas there. Uh, One clear play on travel might be Singapore Airlines. Its stock has lost ground over the past month, falling more than 8%, but it is still up more than 20% since January. And this brings us to Stocks to Watch, where we have another company to review that is related to travel. This time, I'm looking at the aerospace industry. Investors have been selling off Boeing shares of late. Boeing is off 10% over the past 
last month, but it is up that same percentage from the beginning of the year. Shares of its biggest competitor, Airbus, are doing better. They're up 22% since January. This morning, though, we're going to take a look at a company which is not quite as famous as Boeing or Airbus, at least not to the general public, but it is a name quite well known in the airline industry. It's called the AAR Corporation, and it sells secondhand engines and air parts. So the analysts over at Barron's are bullish on AAR. Help us understand why, Ryan. Yeah, so it is one of those companies behind the scenes when you need a spare part, you go to the guys like AAR. And when you think about it, it's quite a resilient business. Almost every airline needs spare parts. Whether you're buying a new plane, you're flying an old plane, at some point, you'll need spare parts. So AAR are the guys who supply these repair and maintenance services and the parts. So it's a $2 billion company. And the thinking here is as travel rebounds, there'll be more planes in the air and these planes will need spare parts. So that is the play here. Mm. The used parts business almost and looking at some of the growth numbers, it has been quite interesting. The AAR growth numbers in 2019, we saw um, earnings per share of $2.23. And then if you fast forward it four years later, it's now uh, chalking up earnings per share of over $3. So it has been rolling in. So investors have been selling off AAR shares recently. They are down 6% over the past week, but still up nearly 30% since January. The company has a pretty good ticker symbol, by the way. You might think it would be... AAR, the same as its company name, but no, it's AIR. That's that confusing. Air, <laughs> right? Actually, Airbus has the same ticker symbol as well, but that trades in Paris. Uh, AAR Corp is on the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, I would go with AAR. Why wouldn't I change it? I suppose. <laughs> Somebody else probably already taken it. Yeah, perhaps. All right, back to the outlook for this stock. What do you think of Barron's assessment of uh, AAR, the company? Do you agree with their bullish outlook? Yeah, I like these ideas when you go beyond the obvious and yeah. go behind the scenes. And I guess to some extent, you could also look at similarly SATs, which is in the MRO business and the catering side of things. As more people need to fly, they need more meals or they need more repairs. So these are the type of companies to look at, especially when you consider the volatility in airline stocks, which are subject to oil prices as well and regulations. So in a sense, going around airline stocks into some of the ancillary services is a more stable way, if I can describe it that way. Yeah, well said. So I'll be hosting a panel discussion this week about the future of travel at Milken Institute's Asia Summit. I'll be speaking with leaders from Airbus, STB, Traveloka and Trip.com. So I am going to be very interested to hear their insights about how the industry is changing and whether the allure of revenge travel is wearing off. Yeah, Milken, was it? Lots of people will be flying in for that. Absolutely. I think probably half the room. Let's turn to the broader markets now. Wall Street capped off a bearish week with a relative whimper on Friday. The main indices finished moderately higher, but not enough to wipe out losses from earlier in the week. The Nasdaq fell nearly 2% last week. The S&P 500 dropped 1.3%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost ground as well. So what is on your radar for the week ahead, Ryan? Yeah, so it is going to be a focus on inflation again as we head into the FOMC meeting in two weeks' time. But there will be no Federal Reserve speakers on the radar because it is the blackout period. Instead, what will be in focus will be the 
inflation numbers out from the US this week and also on tap uh, we are looking at industrial production numbers um, also if you look at what else is on the radar we've got retail sales producer prices jobless claims so all that will feed into the FMC uh, meeting and today you've got Thai Prime Minister Srita Tavisin, he's going to be announcing some of his cabinet's policies. So that's going to be under the spotlight as he talks about some of his stuff he's been riding on his campaign, like universal handouts to the cost of $280 per person mm. and how it's going to drum up trading or trade agreements with his counterparts in the EU, the Middle East, India, Africa and South America. Uh, I guess the big one to watch out for this week is going to be the Apple event called Wonderlust. A new iPhone for you if you are in the market for one. iPhone 15, a better camera, faster charging times, a USB-C port. I'm not sure how many colors are going to be coming in, <laughs> but I'm sure it's going to be in drips and draps just enough for you to buy the next iPhone. And a slew of other hardware and a new iOS. So that mm. is going to drive Apple's stock price. For sure. I mean, every time they drop one of these new phones, that's it. I'm out $1,500 for sure. Yeah. So this is the week <laughs> to spend a lot of money. <laughs> All right. Time for corporate news and a daily game of up or down. Let's start with Eli Lilly. All right. Eli Lee is going to be an up for me. Oh, and yeah. This is around the drug for weight loss is called Manjaro and it has gotten a green light in the UK so it will give another option to folks in the UK besides the other big giant Novo Nordis or Zempic which is uh, a similar diabetes drug so good news for people who are looking for alternatives. I have to agree with you there. So this new drug called Munjaro has gained stamp of approval from British regulators who believe the drug can help about 180,000 people. Eli Lilly is still waiting to hear the verdict from US regulators. US regulators are assessing whether the drug couldn't be used to help people lose weight. That hasn't stopped investors from weighing in though. Eli Lilly shares have jumped 10% over the past month. They're up 60% since the beginning of this year. All right, let's look at this guy. It's been a big star now, this recently, NVIDIA. Yeah, hardly a week goes by without talking about NVIDIA, and they are an up for me again. And they are in the news for their partnership with Reliance, the Indian telco. Um, they are partnering to do stuff, including language models, generative apps, cloud infrastructure for AI development, and if you consider... Reliance's skill. They reach a lot of conglomerates and businesses of all sizes. So once you provide that platform through Reliance, it's going to be quite mind-boggling how many companies in India will get access to AI apps and the cloud platforms. So you can imagine the type of revenue streams on tap for NVIDIA if uh, this takes off. Yeah, this deal definitely will help NVIDIA deepen inroads into the India market. I join you there. Definitely an up today for NVIDIA. Peloton, did you read the story? <sighs> it is um, quite a strange one. It is. It's obviously a down for me because a man was killed by his Peloton bike just six months after buying it. And apparently it's now a... Uh, bit of a finger-pointing game, blame game here. The company says it's a man's fault. The man's family says it's 
the company's fault. Mm. So apparently he was doing what's been described as a core workout on the bicycle. And then when he was trying to get up, he fell or he spun around and hit his neck and face and cut one of his main arteries, which killed him instantly. Yeah, it's just, you know, one of those freak accident stories you never want to read about. But from what I read, it looked like he was working out on the bike and then he got off the bike to do some floor exercises. And when he was done, he grabbed the bike to try to help himself up. Uh, But the peloton spun around and that's how his artery got severed, his carotid. And that killed him instantly. So whether or not Peloton is liable for the man's death, his name, the late Ryan Furtado, whether Peloton is liable is likely to be determined in court. But the company doesn't need any more bad news. Its shares are already down nearly 50% from a year ago. It's not the first time that a Peloton bike has been blamed for killing someone, I have to say. Yeah, you're right. You might remember the whole... Uh, Mr. Big riding on a bike thing. That was um, fiction, of course. But then someone else complained that something else uh, similar happened on the Peloton. So it is not the first time. But again, bad news, not great news. All right. For our last up or down entry, we return to Singapore. What do you think of Sea Trim? Up or down? All right. Sea Trim is going to be an up for me, I suppose. And this is in the news because they have money, I guess, mm-hmm. left over mm-hmm. after spending some from its rights issue back in 2021. So it used about $100 million to repay a loan facility. It had about $1.5 billion raised and it now has left over $300 million in balance. So I suppose good news. Look at that. Citrum raised $1.5 billion from a rights issue two years ago. That was when it was still known as Semcorp Marine. And I, lo- I love the idea of leftovers. The company still has $300 million left from that fundraising exercise, which I think is pretty good to still have in the bank. Trim shares have also been on an uptrend, up about 15% over the past three months. We look at the trends. I want to check in on local markets because I only have four minutes on the clock to do that. The STI lost ground last week, falling 0.8%. Most of those losses occurred on Friday. Semcorp Industries led the market lower. Investors taking profit on the stock's impressive year-to-date gains. Despite falling 4% last week, Semcorp Industries still up more than 50% since the beginning of the year. On the other side of the equation is DFI Retail. That's in the red for the year. It was the biggest gainer last week. It rose nearly 3% thanks in part to a new tie-up with Food Panda. I'm going to try to warm up uh, how we end off today. Our last word belongs to Howard Schultz, the former CEO of Starbucks. Schultz recently admitted he was originally opposed to selling ice-blended coffee drinks like the Frappuccino. He thought it might dilute the Starbucks brand. Today, though, cold drinks account for 75% of Starbucks sales. Gen Z customers in particular tend to prefer chilled options compared to hot coffee. So, Ryan, Frappuccino or flat white? I'm a Frappuccino guy and it really <laughs> shows how you can't always get everything right. <laughs> I guess so. Um, how about you? I'm definitely a flat white girl. Oh, okay. I guess it's an age thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me turn my, uh, Ryan's mic off right now. <laughs> um, but what, why is Schultz holding the story up now, do you think? He's retired. Um, I suppose it's just recognition of how no, you can't always get things right and the customer is right. 
So always keep an open mind, and I think it's a reminder for the Starbucks that he loves, that he founded, <laughs> to always keep their minds open and look for new opportunities to find new ways of doing stuff. Yeah, I like I like the story. It shows that how success is always a product of iteration, right? Fail, 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 success. Uh, Parent, do you know how the Frappuccino got its start? You youngin. Um, not quite. <laughs> well, in the early 90s, an employee at the Starbucks over in South California asked for a blender. Oh, right. So it did start from somewhere small and then just grew and grew. Yeah, yeah. Employee initiative. Shares of Starbucks, by the way, are trending lower this year, but they are still up 7% from a year ago. And that is your market view. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Michelle. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.